Chuckin' It From The Cheap Seats is the newest podcast covering Indiana high school basketball. Head coach Josh Thompson interviews some of the most impactful people who make Hoosier hysteria great. New episodes drop every Wednesday. Subscribe to Chuckin' It From The Cheap Seats wherever you listen to your podcasts. Welcome to this week's edition of Checking It from the Cheap Seats with myself, Coach Josh Thompson. This week I'm joined on the podcast by Mike Adams, who will enter his 32nd year overall. Coach is now the president-elect of the Indiana Basketball Coaches Association. He's held in high esteem all across the state as one of the best in the business. Lots of good stuff on this week's podcast. I hope you enjoy some of his insight about the recruiting process, some stuff about these guys with the last name Madison, Mullen, and Ballingy. Hope you enjoy. Chucking it from the cheap seats is brought to you by Shootaway, offering products like 12K series guns proven by time and again by the nation's top school and college coaches slash programs. For special pricing discounts, contact Bruce Helt at 317-767-5543 or go to shootaway.com. Chucking it from the cheap seats is also brought to you by BSN Sports and Jeff Neal, their sales rep. Shop BSN Sports for a large selection of sports apparel and footwear, custom and stock Nike team uniforms, and sports equipment for your next winning season. Contact Jeff Neal at 812-204-3808 or visit bsnsports.com. For over 32 years, D1 Basketball has offered elite basketball camps and top-tier player development programs. Team camps, individual skills camps, shooting camps, we improve performance, period. Few Indiana basketball camps impact performance like D1 Basketball. Since 1989, annual enrollment in D1 basketball has grown from 80 to 3,500 players, making it one of the largest independent basketball organizations in the Midwest. The mission of D1 basketball is to help coaches and players maximize their performance. D1 basketball facts. D1 basketball camps are exclusively endorsed by the Indiana Basketball Coaches Association. D1 team camps has hosted more sectional championship teams Final Four teams, and Indiana All-Stars than any other camp, shootout, or summer tournament. D1 team camps provide the best chance for a school's coach to work with all their teams against top-flight competition from throughout the Midwest. All right, this week on the Chugging It from the Cheap Seats podcast, we are joined by the head coach of the Wrights Panthers, Coach Mike Adams. Coach, thanks for being on with us tonight. Time change. You're a busy man. I'm a busy man, but but we hooked this thing up. I appreciate you taking time to be on here for me and the kids tonight. Well, Coach Thompson, thanks. And I'll tell you what, anytime we get a chance to talk hoops, uh, busy times aside, it's always fun to do. So I'm always glad to do that. So appreciate you guys having me on. Well, we appreciate you very much, Coach. And we always start out each one of our podcasts with our guests kind of giving um, about a two-minute bio of, of kind of the evolution of Coach Adams, how you got to where you're at today, different places that you've been. A lot of people know a lot about you, but uh, uh, fill our listeners in that may not know all the details about you, Coach. Give them, give them a two-minute bio here. Oh, my. That'll be hard to do in two minutes, <laughs> but I'll, I'll do my best. Uh, 
yeah, I, I, I'll start with where I'm, where I'm from. I'm from Hanover, Indiana, mm-hmm. and, uh, you know, I'm one of those Southern Indiana kids that just fell in love with the game and loved to bounce that thing around and uh, was very fortunate. Had really a great high school coach. Max Perry was my high school coach, and um, Coach Fleetwood helped him. Roger, just, Roger Fleetwood actually just retired from coaching in Indiana. Mm-hmm. Uh, he was at Owen Valley. Mm-hmm. So those guys and, and other guys, uh, you know, Beaver Server, Tom Patterson, guys really had an impact. Jeff Klein on me there at Southwestern. And I think I knew from a very young age that I wanted to be involved in the game of basketball. Um, then I went and played at the University of Indianapolis. Uh, at that time, it was Indiana Central. Mm-hmm. And uh, when I went there, Billy Keller was the coach, mm-hmm. who I think anybody that knows their Indiana high school basketball and college and pro history they know the name billy keller i mean obviously he was a mr basketball in 1965 at indianapolis washington Uh, he was an all-american at purdue and then he had eight really good years with the pacers yeah uh well that was my college coach Mm -hmm. and uh so that was a neat experience and then um had a stint where i went into the military and when i got out of the military i actually uh helped billy keller coach as as a volunteer assistant uh, there at Indiana Central, and then when he left, Bill Green, another Indiana legend, uh, mm-hmm. people that know Indiana high school basketball certainly know Bill Green, mm-hmm. a guy that's won six state championships. Well, he made that transition from high school into college, and when he got the job at UND, he hired me as his graduate assistant. Okay. So, um, so he, Coach uh, Humes uh, was on that staff, um, and I might mention with Keller. Also, David Wood, mm-hmm. who also just retired from Indiana High School coaching up at Lafayette. Yeah, he's one of my uh, favorites. So I, yeah, Coach Wood, just a dear friend. And, and I've just I just really early in my career, Coach, to be honest, I was just very lucky and fortunate and blessed to get to work for some incredible people. Mm-hmm. And just, just to call them my friends and, you know, colleagues was really a cool thing for me. So I, I had some really uh, good mentors. Uh, getting into this business. And then uh, I was actually working at Indiana Pacer Camp, and uh, Max Dean, who's mm-hmm. a retired coach from North Davies, and yep. at that time Ed Yarbrough, who was at Jasper, um, I had befriended them, and they're like, hey, you ought to look into the Washington Catholic job. Mm-hmm. So I, I went down and interviewed with Sister Joseph Louise, and uh, that was my first head coaching job uh, many, many years ago. So I was at Washington Catholic, and just walked into a gold mine. Um, you know, Dave Worland really got the Washington Catholic program going back in that time period, uh, did, a, did an outstanding job. And then Kenny Schulteis uh, replaced Coach Worland. And then I was fortunate enough to get a takeover after Coach Schulteis. And I, I quite honestly, Coach, walked into a gold mine. Mm-hmm. Uh, they were just hard-nosed, tough kids that really understood how to play and how to compete. And, uh, you know, as, as a first-year coach, I was very lucky, and we had a lot of success. Um, you know, that team ended up going to Sima State. We were ranked – this was before class basketball. Um, you know, we were ranked fifth in the state. It just had a really good run, um, mm-hmm. and that was fun to be a part of that. So I was there for three years and then um, had the opportunity to come down to Evansville right, and Don and I have been here ever since. I mean, I'm starting my 29th season – here at Evansville Wrights and my 32nd overall as a head coach. So 
I don't know if that's the two-minute mark, but that's kind of <laughs> the, the bio there. Now, that was some good stuff, Coach. And you, you talked about a lot of people who made some big impacts on Indiana basketball. You touched on a couple names there on on Max Dean, you know, being at North Davies and talking to you about the WC job. Uh, Max is uh, the dad of, of one of my best friends, Greg Dean. He he and I got to know each other when we worked for Coach Brett. So I know Max very well. And then you mentioned Dave Wood. And a lot of people in southern Indiana, I don't think, have had the, the fortune to see Dave coach and be around Coach Wood. But I got to be around him a little bit in the summertime at D1. And then now having the opportunity to work for or work with him on some of the stuff that he does with the coaches poll and uh, the All-State team. And he's just a class act, and, and uh, he definitely left his mark on Indiana basketball. Oh, yeah, and he left his mark on me. You know, mm-hmm. I, we were just having – we just had the clinic. I, I was able to see at the clinic. and Yeah. Um, you know, uh, Coach Wood was there, and we got we to really catch up with each other. and mm-hmm. uh, just, just a remarkable human being. One, one of the most intelligent people I've ever met. I mean, he – and I know we were laughing when – when we'd go on the road, you know, at that Division Two level, um, a lot of times Coach Keller made him room with me, and I would just wear him out asking questions, and <laughs> writing stuff down, and and uh, those those were really good uh, memories and moments for me because that helped shape me. Mm-hmm. I mean, you know, we, we just couldn't get enough of basketball. When you're on the road like that, that's a great opportunity to talk and build relationships and and just learn about the game and. And I owe a lot to, to David Wood. And you mentioned his dedication, you know, to Indiana high school basketball. Mm-hmm. I mean, how many years now has the guy headed uh, the top 20 board in the All-State Committee? I mean, he, he just does a great job, an outstanding job with that. So he does, he's certainly it, has given back. Yes, and, and, and he, uh, you know, he's continuing on in that role. And, and you got to tip your cap to a guy that – you know, has retired, but he wants to stay active and continue to give back to the game. You know, when you talk about that, Coach, you've also stepped into a, a, a new role, a leadership role with the IBCA. Can you, you tell our listeners a little bit about what you're doing now with the IBCA? Yeah, uh, you know, it's I, I've done a lot with the IBCA through the years. I, I think any of us that have got into this business, you know, we, we it's hard for us to say no. Mm-hmm. I, I think we all – have a servant mentality and we want to give back. We want to help. We love the game and, you know, we want to see good things happen with our game. And, mm-hmm. um, you know, I've, I've been a district rep before. And then years ago, David coach Wood had asked me to serve on the top 20 board. And I, I did that for years. Uh, I don't I don't know exactly how many years. So I served there. Uh, and then coach Woody gave me a call a few years back and said, Hey, look, you know, we, we really want you to be our, you know, our president someday. And, uh, you know, I was just really honored, just mm-hmm. kind of honored that they would even think of me in that, that, that way. And, uh, so I, I told him, I said, I'm not sure how much longer I'm going to do this because it is a six year commitment. And one, one of the things that, that I don't really agree with is you have to be a head coach before you can serve as president elect or president. Mm-hmm. And, and I don't know, maybe that's something we can change in the bylaws because I, I think like what Coach Wood's doing, he's able as a retired coach to give back and help. Yeah. And I'm not so sure that that position you should have to be a head coach. But as of right now, that's kind of the deal. But mm-hmm. I am right now officially, I guess, president-elect and, uh, you know, just involved with the IBCA. And, and I think 
Uh, I can remember when I was helping Billy Keller uh, as a very young assistant coach, he sent me to an IBCA clinic, Mm -hmm. and I've been hooked ever since. I just think uh, the IBCA does so many wonderful things in, in way of scholarships for kids and recognizing our coaches and um, they, they've got their iron, you know, in a lot of fires doing a lot of things, but it's all good stuff to support uh, kids and in, in Indiana high school basketball. No, it's a great organization. Absolutely. Coach, you talked a little bit about your three years at WC. You coached some guys there that I know and some guys that I've worked for and work for now. Um, what, what can you tell our listeners about coaching the Madison brothers and a guy named John Mullen? Yeah, you know, I, I like I said, I told you when, when I was giving my little bio about my coach, I literally walked into a gold mine. Mm-hmm. Um, man, just some some great kids, uh, great families, and just hard-nosed players. And, uh, yeah, I mean, you mentioned the Madison brothers. Obviously, uh, I had Travis uh, was the senior on that first team. My coach who's now very proud of Travis. Um, he's a superintendent uh, there at Bar Reeve. Mm-hmm. Uh, and a lot of people may not know this about Travis, but when he was a student at uh, the University of Evansville, uh, my first year here, Travis was my freshman coach. Mm-hmm. And that was really cool to have a former player uh, come and help me, help me coach. And just like everything Travis touches, he, he did an outstanding job. He just loves kids. And, and that was really a fun time for us to get to, you know, have that relationship. Um, but yeah, Travis was a heck of a player. And then, of course, his younger brother, Toby, uh, who now has moved back to your area. Mm-hmm. Uh, Toby was in, was my first Indiana All-Star. And uh, a lot of people don't know this. Toby was a sophomore my first year. I had a couple opportunities to go elsewhere, but I, I, I didn't because I wanted to stay there and coach uh, Toby and Johnny Mullen and Scott Olson mm-hmm. and, and those kids. Uh, but, yeah, the Madisons mean a lot. Uh, the McAtee family, the Stimel family, Ballingy. Uh, I mean, I could go on and on. I was going to say, uh, how, how then, in the world did I forget to mention Chad Ballingy? <laughs> oh, yeah, Chad. Chad, I'll tell you what, you would have loved to coach Chad. Chad was that guy you never had to tell him anything twice. Yeah. He, he understood his role. He bought into his role. He, was, had, he served others. You know, he didn't care if he started, came in off the bench. He just wanted to help us win. And uh, he fought a back injury his senior year, but boy, did he contribute. Mm-hmm. He was a heck of a player. Yeah. Uh, and you mentioned John Mullen. Uh, John Mullen, I'll tell you what, he's one of the most intelligent players I've ever coached. Yeah. And Johnny was intelligent in the classroom. Johnny always reminded me of a 30, uh, he, he looked like he was a 30 year old man out there playing <laughs> as an 18 year old. He, he kind of just got it, you know, and, yeah. uh, and he was competitive and, uh, and his brother Brian was a nice little point guard for us. So, yeah, just a lot of good memories uh, from being up there at Washington Catholic. And I'll tell you, we were for real. We had some really talented kids. Yeah, Coach, that's the thing that I don't think that, you know, especially young kids now, I don't think they have any idea what a machine Washington Catholic basketball was there in the, the late 80s, early 90s. and and how good you you guys truly were. I, I hear all the time uh, people in this area talk about the game where you guys beat Evansville Harrison there at the birdcage, and I know Travis talks about that game um, with high regard. Yeah, that that was a, that was actually a cool story. Uh, 
we you know we we got on a roll there and we started getting a little some recognition mm-hmm. and we went down to scout uh, we were going to play Harrison on Friday yeah and we went down on a Tuesday night to scout uh Harrison against Bossy at the old Roberts Stadium mm-hmm. um and I took a van load of coaches down there and we mm-hmm. go down and uh, of course Bossy had Elkins I don't know if people remember Andy Elkins mm-hmm. but he's his his jersey's retired at U of E. I mean, he was a heck of a player as an Indian All-Star. Uh, they had a kid by the name of Derrett that was really good. And I think at the time, Harrison was ranked 11th in the state, and Bossy was ranked like 5th in the state. Mm-hmm. And we go down to scout this game, and obviously, Harrison had Walter McCarty. They had Brent Kell. Um, they had a really good uh, point guard, I believe, named White. White I'm not sure, but I'm telling you, they were good. They had the kid that played in the NFL, Harding. I mean, yeah. they were loaded. Well, we go scout this game, and Harrison, uh, I believe, beats Balsy by 13. Mm-hmm. So they beat a, a, a team that's ranked fifth. And I remember getting in the van, and one of my assistant coaches, Tommy Tucker, <laughs> who, who still lives up there, just loved Tommy. Tommy said, Coach, I hate to burst your bubble, but we don't have a chance. Yeah. And I said, well, Tommy, that may be true, but we can't tell our kids that. Yeah. We got to convince our kids that they can compete. Mm-hmm. Well, we were a pressing team that year, and we, you know, kind of like we were a few years ago, we we would do things in waves. I mean, you know, if we got on you early, we might score, you know, we might make, you know, balloon that lead. And Harrison, I think it was a trap game for them because they had just beaten Balsy number five, and they came up to the little old birdcage. Mm-hmm. And I just think they thought they were going to put us on, put it on us. Yeah. Because my biggest kid was uh, – McAtee Brian was only about six two, mm-hmm. so that was my biggest kid. Yeah, and Carico started center for us. He's only like six <laughs> one. Well, anyway, we pressed him and we got on him early, and we were able. I think we beat him sixty five to forty five that night, if I'm not mistaken. Oh wow! Uh, so that that's and then that's when we started really getting attention and moved up in the rankings and started. You know, we really started beating people pretty good. And uh, like I said before, the state tournament, we ended up being ranked fifth in the state. Yeah. Well, sounds like the birdcage was rocking that night, but um, yeah, yeah, I mentioned you know that we were really good in the late eighties, nineties, and you know it's just unfortunate. I, I think it's sad. Uh, you know they haven't been very competitive lately, but I know, I know there's still good people there, and and they're they're showing up and they're working at it. Mm-hmm. So, you know, coach, you talk about the fact that you've been doing this a long while, and and obviously. Uh, you know your teams are still very good. You're you're highly respected in this in this business. But how are things different in 2021 than when you started? What what do you see as the biggest differences? Well, I think people want to just say, "Oh, kids are have changed." You know, mm-hmm. it's different. Kids aren't. And and I I agree to that. I think in general, but I also I also say this. Like like some of the kids I have this year, they're you know kids were great back in the 50s and 60s and they're great in 2021 mm-hmm. i mean I, I i don't know if i buy into that totally that that kids have changed and are not coachable anymore i, I think that you know kids are coachable i mean yeah. you get the right ones I, i'm i'm really excited about the group we have just because of the kind of kids they are mm-hmm. i don't know how good we're going to be but i know they're going to be fun to work with and coach but mm-hmm. you know i i think you know, that's what people want to say. So I don't know if I really agree with that. Uh, I, I think what's changed is I know when I first got in the business coach, 
you literally would go scout and you would, you would like say, okay, we're not going to guard this kid and this kid. Um, you know, we're going to, but I think now, especially I know some of the teams, we, you just can't get away with that. Yeah. It seems like there's, I mean, I think the quality of basketball is really, has gotten really good. Mm-hmm. And again, I go back all, all the way back to when coach Keller was, I mean, obviously they were really good then, but I'm just saying I've noticed overall, I just think that your fourth through 10th players are a lot better than they used to be. Mm-hmm. Um, and I just think it's so competitive. I think the coaching is, you know, I think guys in Indiana really work at it. And you're not going to go in there and just outsmart people. I mean, they're really prepared. So I think the quality of basketball is just really good, the coaching, the preparation. And all of that, I think, has just gradually evolved and has consistently gotten better and better and better. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, I know I have some friends from out of state, and, man, they're, they, they are just, like, envious of how good we've got it. And, and you know, when kids get recruited, uh, you know, I've had some – I've been fortunate to have some kids get recruited at a high level. And I'm all the time hearing how good Indiana high school basketball is, you know, how organized and how well it's coached. And, you know, you'll be on vacation somewhere. and Someone finds out you're from Indiana. The first thing they talk about is the basketball state. <laughs> yeah. So, you know, um, you know, I, I think that it's it just, it's just gotten better. I think the coaching's really good. And I think the players from top to bottom are really good. And, uh, you know, games are played at a high level. Yeah, Coach, um, I, I definitely agree with you. I mean, obviously, you and I both have tremendous respect for our peers and the coaches in the state of Indiana. But I, I, I definitely agree with what you're talking about. It just seems like the reserves and your fourth and fifth starters are much better, I think, than, than what they were 15, 20 years ago when I started coaching and, and when I was finishing up playing. So I definitely agree with yeah. that. Yeah, too. I think what's, you know, you mentioned the JV. You know, we still practice with our JV. Mm-hmm. Well, I've had years where I've had good varsity teams. And it's like our JV teams are making plays against our varsity teams yeah. where yeah. I think earlier in my career, it, it, you'd almost have to split up your varsity because when you competed against your JV, it didn't really help you. Mm-hmm. And I've had years now where it's like, well, no, they, they can compete. You know, it's just, it's just really interesting to me. Um, I think the level has just gotten better overall coach you you talk about your role with the ibca and obviously you know i think a lot of coaches in this area uh look up to you and and you give a lot of really good advice but if if there was a young guy first or second year coach what what do you think would be the best piece of advice you could give that young coach as he's starting to kind of build his career and and get into coaching and and this is something he's going to do for a long while yeah, well, well, first I'll uh, I'll uh, promote the IBCA a little bit. Uh, last a couple of years ago, Coach Whitty asked me to head up a mentoring program mm-hmm. uh, to where, and, and really, it's it's on our website. Uh, there, there's a thing titled "You Got You're a Head Coach Now 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 What?" Mm-hmm. You know, you've got the job now. What? And that was based off of a clinic that he and Renee Turpin had done. Uh, when they went to a national clinic and spoke about, you know, that topic. Yes. And it's just good advice. There's just everything from your parent meeting, you know, tryouts, preseason, parent meeting, all the way through the season scouting. 
it just kind of takes you and gives you advice on things. So that is there, I think, for young coaches to look at. And then we have the mentoring program where we have asked certain coaches throughout the state uh, to put their information out there and be open to allow coaches to call them and pick their brain and ask questions. And I think all of us in this business, we have our guys. I mean, we have the guys that we mentored under, kind of our go-to guys, our friends that we're always talking to, always helping. Uh, but that just kind of gives it a little bit of a broader, you know, broader sense of, you know, if, if you if you admire Coach Shannon but you don't really know him, mm-hmm. well, then now it opens it up. You can call him because he's one of our mentors. Yes. Um, so I, I think th- those kinds of things are good. But what I would personally tell them is uh, kind of what my dad told me when I got into coaching. Kind of like he kind of made the analogy to farming in that, you know, when you farm, you can't worry about the time you put in. You mm-hmm. kind of got to do the job till it gets done. Don't worry about time. Well, he told me, he said, that's kind of how coaching is going to be. If you're going to worry about how much you're getting paid or how much time you're putting in, you're probably not going to be real good at it. Yeah. So I think you you got to understand going in that you've got to put time in and you got to be okay with that. Mm-hmm. Uh, you do it for the kids. You do it for the love of the game. So I think time is something that I would tell young coaches. And I think a lot of the young coaches get out now because they get in, they don't realize what it takes. Mm-hmm. Uh, but yeah, I, I would talk about time. Um, I would talk about really marrying well, marry somebody <laughs> that, um, you know, I've been really blessed. I have the best wife. Uh, Donna's been in this. And, and as you know, uh, you're not in it by yourself. Your family's in it with you. Mm-hmm. And I think just sort of having a good wife, that's going to be okay with, uh, you know, the hours you're going to put in and the commitment and uh, just be a part of it. Your, your children, uh, they all got to be involved. They all have to be invested. Uh, but, yeah, and, and I, I think uh, being it for the right reasons, I mean, you know, I, I think some, some people uh, maybe get out because, you know, they, they lose their happiness or joy for the game. Mm-hmm. Uh, I, I think it goes back to we do this because we love the game and we love kids. And there's a lot of life lessons to be taught that have nothing to do with basketball. Uh, so I, I think just being in it for the right reasons uh, are important. I guess a lot of really, yeah. really good advice, Coach. And like yeah, you- and, and the, then I, one last thing, and I would say really get to clinics. You know, mm-hmm. go to clinics and just try to be a sponge and absorb, uh, but you still got to be your own person. I think, I think a mistake a lot of coaches make when they're young is they'll go to a clinic and they'll see a continuity offense or a set offense or a defense, and, boy, they hear the speaker, and they just, that's what they want to do. <laughs> Flavor uh, of the day. And it, yeah, and, it, and if it doesn't fit your personnel, if it doesn't fit your makeup or your personality, then it may not be the thing you really need to do. So I think you got to really look at your who you have. And you, I think in high school, you got to be flexible because your talent pool changes. Uh, but yeah, just be a sponge and go to clinics and learn, but still be yourself. You got to be your own coach, your own identity. Yeah, you know, you mentioned that about going to clinics, and one of the things that, that I always noticed when I was younger and I would go to the IBCA clinic or HBCA clinic and go these different places is Coach Miller, Gene Miller, 
and how he would always sit on the front row and he always had his pad open. And I remember even when he was making that run where they had the Zellers going through and they were winning multiple state championships and there he would be every speaker with his pad open, writing things down, trying to take a couple things from each guy. And, and that really made an impression on me that, you know, if that guy's sitting down there and doing that, I need to be doing this as much as yeah. possible. Well, well, you mentioned, I mean, what, what a legend, what, what a guy, I mean, uh, and you're absolutely right. What an example for all of us. Mm-hmm. Uh, and, and it tells us that we never stop learning. You just never stop learning. And he's a great example of that. And I talk to speak of Gene Miller. It seems like I got connections everywhere. A long time ago, uh, we used to do this thing called the Indiana Pacer camp okay. and coach Keller got the Pacers to work with him and we would have it at Rose Holman and we'd have different themes. We'd have a defensive, we'd have fundamental, we'd have guards. And the thing, the, the deal was one of the Indiana Pacer players would come over as a guest speaker. Okay. And it was a great camp. Well, a lot of those camps, I would room with Gene Miller. That's okay. where I really got to know Gene Miller. And I can't tell you how much I enjoyed because you know you you know the camp life. You, mm-hmm. you you get up, you go to breakfast, you go to the gym, and you're in the gym until lunch. Then you go eat lunch together. Then you're in the gym till supper, and you know then you're back in the gym. Then at night you might have a little bit. So just getting to eat, have share meals with Gene, and and go to all these things we did at camp. I really picked his brain and got to know him. And little did I know. Uh, my first year as a head coach, that, that's who beat us in the Simmons fate. Mm-hmm. But he's always been a dear friend. And and what a – I don't know. I just don't know if there's a better role model out there um, than, than Gene Miller. And, and I'm talking not just going to clinics, everything the guy does. He's <laughs> he's a dear friend and a great, great example for sure. Yeah, one of the things – I do some driver's ed in the summer. And it, it always strikes me that any time we drive through Washington, the, he doesn't run as much as he used to, but he's always out, you know, always out and about. He and his wife out walking. He's out doing different things. So, like you said, tremendous example with everything that he does in life. Coach? Yeah, I tease him. I tease him all the time. I say, you don't even – you never age. Coach. <laughs> you never age. And he would, even at camp, he'd get up, we'd get up in the morning, he'd go run. Yeah. I mean, he's just, uh, and I know he still lifts with the kids. Yeah. Yeah, he's, he's, a, he's an amazing human being, that's for sure. Yeah, whenever I coached there at Vincennes, obviously Chad Tolliver, Steve Combs, those guys had some great Gene Miller stories about when guys would get in trouble and, and he, they didn't have to run after practice. They had to get up in the morning and run with Gene through town. And and, <laughs> and they couldn't hardly keep up with him. <laughs> so th- those, were, those were good stories. But, Coach, you know, before we run out of time here, and we I've got a couple other questions I want to ask you, but uh, I want to make sure I get this one in here. The one two two, you know, your 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 trap. Where did you get that? Where'd you come up with it? And uh, how did that become a, a big part of what you do as a coach? Because I know coaching against your teams, um, when I was at Wood and at, at Vincennes, that was something that we had to spend a lot of time preparing on before we played you is how, how we were going to try to attack that. Yeah, I, I think, uh, yeah, it came, you know, I, I used to do a lot of the one, three, one half court trap, which I liked and mm-hmm. we mixed that in and it was good. Uh, and then we, you know, we had years where we, we really, of course I've been here 29 years. I mean, I had some years where 
we had periods where guys weren't very athletic. We mm -hmm. just weren't. And we played a lot of 3-2 zone. Mm -hmm. And we kind of modified some of the slides. Well, then whenever we would get a group that was pretty athletic, then we started like, okay, well, let's extend it. And then we kind of came up with our how we wanted to play it. And, um, you know, that, that just seemed to fit us better than the 1-3-1, if you will. Yeah. So so that was kind of where, where it came from. And, you know, then we would do things like, you know, extend it to three-quarters court, mm -hmm. half court, and even a little bit below. And uh, really just just trying to create chaos and havoc and speed the game up. And, you know, you mentioned that you guys spent time trying to get ready for mm -hmm. it. Well, I, I think what I also what I like about it is it's unique in that not everybody plays it. Yeah. So, you know, we'd go scout, and you'd see a team, they'd run 18 different sets to, to perfection. <laughs> and one thing I could tell you, if we were in the half-court trap, they weren't going to be running that stuff. <laughs> yeah. uh, so it does it does make people, um, you know, play a little bit differently, if you will. Yes. And I know, you, I'll give you a really nice compliment. You did a great job. When you were at Wood, you had a really nice team. And, of course, you know, we're that's kind of what we do. We do this half-court trap. Mm -hmm. Well, like I said, you're kind of limited what you could do about it. Uh, but some of you guys got creative and started doing little stunts. And I really like what your team did. You had your big, like, empty the high post mm -hmm. and get a quick cut, catch on, like, the sideline. Yeah. And then you'd hit corner and you'd have that guy dive. Mm -hmm. Well, whenever teams would do little gimmicks like that to us, we would put that kind of weird that We'd go over that, yeah. and we'd say, if they do this, here's how we handle this. And really, it, it evolved just where it became like a matchup, like mm -hmm. a one-two-two matchup. Yeah. And we've got all these rules, and mm -hmm. it's like anything. You're going to be probably better at what you spend time with. Yeah. Well, we spend a lot of time. But I also have to laugh. you got to have the right people to really extend and get after it. Mm -hmm. uh, you know, the year that we were fortunate enough to make our state run, um, uh, you know, a lot of people wanted to know, what are you guys doing? What are you doing? And I'd always start by saying, well, first of all, do you have a guy like Drew Smith? <laughs> you know, if, if you got a Drew Smith, this might be something you might want to look at doing because it does make a difference to your personnel. And Drew was perfect to have at the top of that. Yeah. Heck, he averaged 13 deflections a game. Oh, I don't yeah. care what defense you're in. It's going to look pretty good. Oh, absolutely. But, but we kind of, it's something that, we take a lot of pride in, and we still use it. Uh, and again, depending on our team, uh, how much we're going to use it. But it's something that, uh, you know, if you're if you get down, you can still make a little run. It's it's a good thing to have, I think. But it's certainly not a cure all. No, you got to have guys that know how to play it. No, but it's like you said, you force teams to have to prepare for it, and you know, and and you talked about the one three one, and and Joey and Linton have been notoriously known for the one three one, and and Joey's like, yeah, I don't even really like playing that defense, but we're pretty good at it at different times. And one of the things he's told me um, that he loves about it is it forces people to prepare and, and take practice time throughout the week to, to deal with it. The other thing that, that I'll tell you about it is the thing that I've noticed is that a lot of people in that, that Evansville area, a lot of teams have kind of went to that. And, uh, and so now a lot, yeah, well, a lot of the Evansville teams play that. Well, they've told me. I mean, they say, you know, we've, we've tried to get ready for you guys, and we kind of like it, so we, we got pretty good. We use it. So mm -hmm. you're right. We've, we've kind of seen a lot of people, 
you know, playing that. So yeah. Yeah, it's a good defense. I mean, there's no, but, but again, it's not a cure all. You gotta, you gotta have the right people and they gotta want to do it because well, it's, it's not an easy thing to play. I remember, um, I remember playing you guys when Drew was out on the front of that, and it seemed like he had 60 deflections and 25 steals that night. But one of our kids, we we would kid him because he turned it over six times against Drew, and we, we gave him a hard time the rest of the year about how many times he turned it over. But he, he looked at me one time. He said, Coach, you try to pass around that guy. <laughs> I really did, Coach. I saw really good guards. You could just see them full, coming up the court like you could just read their body language. They didn't want any part of it. Yeah, but you can tell you can tell that young man, uh, Drew, is uh, you know he's got a contract with Miami Heat, so yeah. he's done pretty well for himself. He absolutely has. You know, coach, you talk about Drew Smith. Um, just touch on real quick, and you talked about Toby earlier being an Indiana All Star, but you know you've been a part of the recruiting process at a pretty high level. Do you have any unique or or good stories uh, about being a part of that recruiting process? Just you know, kind of funny stories with college coaches, anything like that that you want to share? Um, yeah, I guess I have a, yeah, I, I think first of all, um, it, it's, it's, it is neat. You know, I know talking with Jim Shannon when he went through the Romeo deal, mm-hmm. he said, he goes, you know, it, it made us sharper as co- high school coaches. He said, you know, when you got five major division one colleges coming into practice, you don't want to look like you don't know what you're doing. He said, <laughs> I think it got, it got our coaches a little bit excited, got our kids excited. He thought it was good. Mm-hmm. But it, it is a distraction. I mean, there's no question. Yeah. I mean, you know, with Lander, oh, my gosh. The, mm-hmm. I, I've never seen anything like that. The way yeah. that kid was recruited. And literally, we'd have in the tunnel over there, we might have, you know, uh, gosh, Tennessee, Louisville, uh, IU. Purdue. I mean, it was crazy. Yeah, I had UCLA come in. I mean, you name them, they were here. Michigan. I got a great picture of me and Jawan Howard, who's just a gentleman. So just getting to meet those guys because yeah. at the end of the day, I love the game. I'm a fan. Mm-hmm. I admire what those guys do. And to have the opportunity to meet those guys is pretty cool. Yes. And, uh, you, you know, uh, anyway, the, just getting to meet those guys that would be the first thing. Uh, but I did have kind of a funny story about Louisville. Um, I don't know if you knew it. Now, he's no longer on the staff. But Bill Murray, the comedic actor Bill Murray, yes, his son was on Louisville's staff. Did not know that. Uh, yeah, and he was also at Xavier with Coach Mack. Okay. And, um, well, he was really involved in Christian's recruiting. Okay. And uh, anyway, uh, Coach Murray, uh, you know, Christian had it at one time narrowed down to Louisville, IU, and Michigan. Mm-hmm. And uh, Coach Murray was in, and uh, – he watched us work out, and as he was leaving, he and I were walking across. I was kind of walking him out, and he was really nice. He said, Coach Adams, I really like how you do things, you know, as far as how you're running your workouts or whatever. And I said, uh, he said, I'm not, he said, I'm not blowing smoke. You know, I'm telling you the truth. Like, you know, I know I'm recruiting your kid, but I really, and I said, well, thanks. And I said, but I want to tell you something, and I'm not blowing smoke either. He said, well, what's that? I said, well, your your dad has always been that guy that when you're in one of those leadership classes and they say, if you could have lunch with anybody in, in the world, you know, any any famous person, who would you choose to have lunch with? I said, 
I swear to you, I've always said Bill Murray, your father. That's uh-huh. who I would choose. Mm-hmm. He said, are you serious? He goes, people are always wanting me to get his autograph. They're always wanting this or that. He goes, but no one's ever told me that. He said, I'll tell you what. I want you to, I want you to meet my father. Yeah. So he has promised that I'm going to get to meet his dad. Now, I haven't. Of course, Christian ended up going to IU, not Louisville. Yeah. So I don't know. And, and Coach Mack, is, he's no longer coaching. But I always thought that was a funny story that he had promised me I was going to meet <laughs> Bill Murray, the comedic actor. But I thought maybe you were going to tell me that uh, that uh, Bill Murray came down there and, and you guys were at Tironi's together or something like that. <laughs> well, that, that'd be all right because <laughs> I love Tironi's. Almost as good as Bob's. Yes, yes. Well, Coach, um, you talked about college coaches, and before we, we get into this speed round here where you, you shoot off the hip a little bit, who, who's your favorite college coach to, to watch, to get stuff from, and, and why? Oh, my. That's that's a tough question. Um, you know, I, I really, you know, people all the time want to know, who you're a fan of. And I grew up in Hanover. I mean, I was a fan of Louisville because okay. Hanover's not too far from Louisville. Yeah. That was kind of my team with Denny Crum and they won the national championship there. And I think 80, 81 with Dr. Duncan's side. So I always was more of a Louisville fan really. Mm-hmm. But now, you know, as I've been doing this for years, um, there's through the years I've admired so many people, you know, I, I think uh, coach Knight, obviously, you know, so many people were influenced by him all trying to do the motion and doing what he did. But Coach Knight's one of the favorite guys I've ever watched at a clinic. Mm-hmm. Uh, to watch him take, uh, you know, usually you have a team in to help demonstrate yeah. how he handled those kids. And you see it. I think people always hear the bad things about Coach Knight. Mm-hmm. And and I've seen him in a couple settings. Um just amazing uh his ability to work with kids and touch kids and motivate and he, he's just a, a genius i mean yeah there's things i don't agree with that coach knight has done but i just don't know how you can't respect what he's done for the game so he was he was always i mean he obviously commanded everyone's attention and he was he was eye-opening um i thought Izzo one year spoke at our clinic was really impressive mm-hmm. and how can you not appreciate what he has done at Michigan State. Yes. I think he's had an amazing career and impact on people. Um, but probably one of my favorites, Jim Cruz. Mm-hmm. You know, Jim uh, was down here when I was here at Rice, and he was nice enough to let me come over to watch practices. And, and you talk about a guy that is a genius about teaching the game and his language. And I just, I just really, really enjoyed Jim Cruz and, you know, I, carrying over to Marty Simmons, I think Marty Simmons is just, um, you know, just does it the right way. Mm-hmm. So I've always thought a lot of Marty, um, and I could go on and on. I mean, I'm a fan of a lot of a lot of these guys. Mm-hmm. Uh, um, there's just so many that do such a great job. I I know Dean Smith. Uh, of course, I'm old. When I used to go to all these Nike clinics all over the place, and I've had the opportunity to see Dean Smith speak. I think that guy, uh, that guy was just such a gentleman. Mm-hmm. And I think he showed that you don't have to, you know, scream and yell at kids and cuss to, to motivate him. He was just just a gentleman. Um, have you ever had the chance to, to read his book, Multiple Offense, Multiple Defense, Coach? 
Yeah, I've read so many books. So mm-hmm. I, I have read it. I hope you're not going to put me on the spot. They can no. quote something, but but yeah, he yeah that guy. Like I said, he's a genius. I well, mean, and, just and, such a gentleman. And the thing that that I when I think of Dean Smith and obviously going through and reading that book and and looking at different things that, that he did to affect the game. I mean, the fact that they implemented the shot clock for a lot of different reasons, but the big one was because of his four corner offense. But yeah. on, but on the flip side, he was also the the guy that came up with the Carolina break. And so yeah. you know, yeah. controlling Which the clock, still run. yeah, controlling the clock in in two different ways. And and like you talk yeah. about, there's just been so many guys. But you, one of my favorite things to do as a coach is to go watch whether it's a really good high school coach like yourself or to go to a, a college practice because it's just great to watch coaches in that environment. No, oh, yeah. And, you know, so many people do such a good job. I mean, I, uh, that that's one if I could probably think about more, I could probably give you a better answer. But all those guys just came to mind. Mm-hmm. I'm sure there's a lot more. Uh, I know Bennett, you know, he came in and, and came in and spent a night and watched our home game and came in the office and gave me a lot of his time. Mm-hmm. But to watch what he can get his teams to do, I mean, just how they guard you. Oh, yeah. Uh, it's just It's just amazing. It's just like – it, it just doesn't seem real. How's he getting it done? It just doesn't seem real. Especially and at that level. Yes. And and he, too, is just a gentleman. I mean, he came in and, uh, you know, watched the entire game. And after the game, he stood around, came in the office, and just gave like, – like, he's just a humble, just a good dude. Um, so, yeah, there's there's so many out there that do a great job, that's for sure. Well, Coach, we always finish up here with a with a speed round, so I'm going to ask you some questions, and you just shoot right off the hip and tell me the first thing that comes to your mind when I ask you these questions. But when you scout a team, would you rather scout them in person or, or watch them on film? In person for sure. Mm-hmm. Okay. I, so- I like to sit up on the wall and eat popcorn, drink my Diet Coke, and, and enjoy it and not be all stressed about it. It's not my game. I'm coaching, so <laughs> I love to scout in person. So that was going to be the follow-up question, is what is Coach Adams' go-to at the concession stand? You said it's popcorn and a Diet Coke. Well, now I'm older. It's a Diet Coke. It used to be a regular Coke, but now I kind of got into the diet a little bit. Coach, I've seen you in all kinds of stuff on the sideline. What's your favorite sideline attire? Shirt and tie, quarter zip, polo? You know, I – I've been pressured. I, I've always, uh, you know, I, I, I would like to have a, a just a little polo shirt on and comfortable slacks. But I, I started to think I really wanted to, I don't know, not that you don't honor the game if you do that, but I started wearing a shirt and tie, and I did that for years. Yeah. Well, then my coaches, I thought they were going to quit on me. So we kind of, with COVID, we kind of went back to more casual, uh-huh. just wearing nice pullovers and slacks. Uh, so I, I like the pullover kind of in slacks is what I like, but I, I also like dressing up, making it really special. So I've, I've done both. Uh, I don't think one's right or wrong. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, so I've done both. Favorite professional sport, NFL, Major League Baseball, NBA, what do you like to kick back and watch? You know, I, I, I'm, I, obviously I'm a basketball freak, but professional, probably golf. Golf, okay. So, if I'm going to give you tickets to any um, professional sport venue, 
where are you going? If if it's golf, if it's golf related, where are you going? Um, well, I've been to Valhalla before. That was really cool. Um, any place like that. I, the Masters would be the number one. Augusta. Okay. Yeah. All right. So, favorite gym that you've coached in in the state of Indiana outside of Wrights? No. Well, you know, obviously I have to say the birdcage because that was so much of my heart and soul. Yeah. I got the inside and outside picture of that in my office. So, the, the birdcage was cool, just me personally. But also personally, uh, that the Hatchet House is cool because I was fortunate enough to win some games there and championships mm-hmm. and Seymour. For me, you know, winning, getting to win a regional um, and, and play there as a kid mm-hmm. in a regional and to get a coach there and just going up. You know, when you get a when you win a section, you get, get to do that. Just taking the kids up and acting like you're, you know, Division One and stay the night and. Just that whole thing. Seymour's pretty special. Yes. Um, it's a great gym. And I, I like, but there's so many gyms I like. I mean, heck, I could talk all for two hours on gyms in Indiana. <laughs> but we'll leave, we'll leave it at that. All right. Date night with your wife in Evansville. Where are you guys going? What well, restaurant? Well, Don and I, we, we actually, this, this is, uh, we really do this. Uh, we, we still go on dates. Mm-hmm. We've been married 30 years, but we still have date night. Yeah. Uh, usually it's Thursday night. My daughter's, we, we have two adult children. Then I have a, we had a big gap and my daughter Emma is a junior. Mm-hmm. So when she's at dance Thursday night's date night. So okay. we love a lot of restaurants here, but probably, um, uh, probably Cavanaugh's is my favorite down here. Okay. Uh, just really good steak. And, and if we're going to splurge, we'll do that, but we enjoy whether we go there or to McDonald's for a burger. I mean, it doesn't matter. Just date nights, date enjoy night. having a meal. Date <laughs> nights, date nights. All right. Just a couple more here. Least favorite thing that Donna has you do around the house? Uh, you know, I I really don't mind helping. I, You know, when she got cancer, I really stepped up and started doing the laundry. Yeah. And I found that good for me. And I still like to do laundry. Um but really, I, I don't mind. I think I don't think that uh, I think husbands should pull their weight around the house. Absolutely, I think they should do things. So I don't. I really don't mind. She's pretty good to get along with. So I don't really <laughs> think she makes me do anything. Well, I don't mind to help out around the house, but I don't enjoy doing dishes. I, I'll do them. I'll do them to help out, but I don't mind or uh, I don't yeah, enjoy it. Yeah. Well, you know, they got the dishwasher. I, <laughs> I, I don't know. I guess I don't mind doing that too bad. All right, last question for you, Coach. Down by two on the road, under 10 seconds to go. You going for the tie or you going for the win? Well, I, I think, again, it depends on how you're set up, who you got, um, if you, what kind of three-point shooter you got. You know, we, we've been fortunate. We run this little play at the end, baseline to baseline. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's a little full court play. And through the years, we've actually have won, I think, four games uh-huh. uh, on this little play. And it's a three-pointer yeah. play. Yeah. Um, and, um, yeah, so I, I would think if I got a guy that I think shoot a three, we're probably going to try to knock one down mm-hmm. uh, and go, go roll the dice there, I would think. Well, there but you it's go. All, you know, it's all dependent, but and there's a lot of variables in that. But uh, on the road, yeah. I, I like going for the win. I don't like trying to beat somebody in overtime at their place. But 
Uh, yeah, yeah. Just real quick, how often do you work on that that play? Once well, a week, I, I twice think, a week. Yeah, we do a we do a lot of five on a distance mm-hmm. prep, and yeah. like at the end, we try to do an enthusiastic drill, mm-hmm. and we will we will rehearse it. And I've had yeah. people tell me through the years, like, "Hey, man, that was a great play you drew up," you know. And I'm like, "Well, you got to understand, we're really not drawing anything new up. It's yeah. just the timeouts just to calm everybody down, relax, and just remind them if you do your job, we're going to be fine. Yeah, and just you know, to kind of just support them." Mm-hmm. Uh, but, yeah, I mean, that's been a good little thing for us. That's good. Well, Coach, you've been awesome. I appreciate all your time. Um, yeah, well, th- thank you. And, con- and, again, congratulations to you and your, your team and your program. Uh, you know, you guys were were 1A. But, you know, I'm not, I've am not. i never been a big advocate of class basketball. If it was my liking, we'd all go back to one class. Mm-hmm. And to represent, I mean, you guys played the best of the best. And you competed with everybody. And, uh, man, you guys had one heck of a year. Uh, this, just a great community. And uh, I, I think you guys, you do a great job, Coach. And, and I know Coach Madison, Travis, uh, is happy to have you there and uh, continued success to you guys. I appreciate that. And um, it, was a, it was a fun year. But, like, you know, you and I have already talked. A new year is up upon us. And so uh, best of luck to you and the Panthers this year, Coach. Yeah, I'm looking forward to it. I love our kids, and I think they're just great kids, and I think we it's going to be a group we can, you know, uh, keep getting better and better, and hopefully by tournament time, you know, our, we've been preaching to the kids we want to three-peat, try to win three in a row, mm-hmm. uh, which I think in that 4A sectional is hard to do. But it is. Uh, hopefully we can get to a place where we can compete for that thing. Okay. Well, best of luck to you, Coach, and thanks for being on with us this week. All right. Well, thanks for having me. We'll see you. Man, what a podcast. We uh, tremendously thank Coach Adams for all of his time, for being on with us. And next week on the Checking It from the Cheap Seats podcast, we're going to be joined this time not by a head coach, not from someone on the sidelines, but someone from the broadcast booth, Greg Registraw from the ISC Network and all of his other entities that he promotes throughout the state of Indiana. He's the best in the business. Greg Rickstraw next week on Chucking It from the Cheap Seats.